Welcome back to the choir room. We are now recording episode 11. So super duper excited to be back to talk everything Glee with my favorite co-host because he called me his favorite the last time. So I guess I'll reciprocate the favor. Matt Ligori, how are you doing? Oh, this is going to be so bad when, when Liana and and Brent and Scally all listen to this and uh, they kick us off of all the other podcasts that we do. But I guess other than that, doing good. Well, uh, Brent's not easily offended, and Liana kicked me off of Sequester, so I don't give a damn. She can eat it. That is uh, super fair. And I'm sure we are going to get Scally in here sooner or later. So we are um, here to talk the episode... Uh, what's the episode called again? It was called Hairography. The, Hairography. The big hair episode where uh, Will Schuster discovers hair for the first time in his life. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, Glee is so, they're, you know, they're all about the theme of the week, and when they say theme, they really go all in, because it's, it's, it's as if, whatever the theme is that week, like, it's like they're seeing it for the first time, and that's exactly how I feel about hairography. It's like, oh, you've never discovered the power of wigs before? Like, it's, it's, it's crazy, especially watching this back-to-back with Drag Race, I'm like, okay, this seems like a very poorly executed type of drag that they're trying to do. But. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we're here to talk about it nonetheless, and I guess we can just get right on into this shit. Um, so Sue has been uh, snapping around asking for the set list and info on the other teams, um, and Will is starting to get a little suspicious of why that is, and is concerned that she might be leaking some details to the uh, local competition that they have for the upcoming sectionals. And Emma is going to go ahead and suggest that maybe he should take some time and visit the other schools since he's so suspicious about it um, once he confided in her about her suspicions or his suspicions about Sue. And so that's exactly what Will is going to do. He's going to go out and uh, check the uh, local competition, see what what, uh, what, the, what the gig is. Yes, this, uh, this was something, you know, after a couple episodes ago where Sue left the New Directions as being the co-director, she decided that she like they, they uh, came to an agreement where basically like somehow she was still involved and like she still needed to approve the set list as like the the head of the arts or whatever title she had given herself uh, so she had put herself in this kind of position where she was still holding a little bit of power and it's funny because they're at they're at practice at the beginning of this episode and Brittany's recording them and uh, Sue catches uh, not Sue uh, will catches her and she's like oh Sue is definitely not making me do this uh, but I mean, Brittany, you're you're not slick at all. So yeah, Will is going to head off to the Jane Adams Academy, which, as you might remember, a couple episodes ago when we found out who the New Directions were competing against, Mercedes said the Jane Adams Academy isn't that like the school of like prison? Uh, isn't it like a prison school for girls? Uh, so and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so Will is going to go here and meet their director, and it's uh, very funny as this gets started here. Will like goes to sit down and talk to her, and uh, gets robbed within like five seconds of being there. And we get our, uh, I guess this is like our second official uh, famous guest actor, actress of the season. Uh, so this, 
Glee Club director at Jane Addams Academy is played by Eve of uh, late 90s, early 2000s fame. And yeah, like Matt said, as soon as he walks in, one of the girls that she is, you know, trying to lecture uh, leaves the office and immediately like pickpockets him. Uh, I mean, she's able to see it. Uh, and she said, Aphasia, give Mr. Shoot his wallet back. So we can already tell the kind of uh, environment that he's going to find himself in. And so he pretty much kind of cuts to the chase thinking that there is some sort of uh, underhanded activity going on between uh, Miss Hitchens and Sue. And she sort of like, he's like, so you think just because my school is full of arsonists and criminals, you're assuming that we're also trying to win or cheat at a singing competition? Like, that's insane. And of course, good old Mr. Shoe is going to get, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Like, that's that's not how I am usually. It's just, you know, Sue kind of is driving me crazy. And in the spirit of competition, how about, you know, if you guys are lacking a stage over here, which is Miss Hitchens uh, admits that they are, how about you come on over to McKinley and we can have like a little friendly scrimmage so that we can, you know, have a little friendly competition here and there. Yep. The uh, the this group clearly is uh, or at least the sense that we get is that they are trying their best and they want to keep up like at least uh, Miss Hidgens wants to like keep them motivated to compete and all this stuff. But like, I mean, come on, they're at a prison here. So I don't know how like it's hard for us to tell right away what their level of like caring is about their version of the Glee Club. But as soon as we get to see them perform, it seems like they are very much into it. There's uh, first of all, I can't help but notice that there's like 30 girls in this Glee Club when and Will can barely keep like 12 together from a giant right. school of kids. So there, there's like 30 girls in this group and they do come to McKinley as uh, Will in, has invited them. And what do they perform here? Uh, Bootylicious. And they yes. they kill it. They look good. We don't get a lot of uh, Beyonce songs uh, in Glee. I think this is probably one of three in the entirety of the season, maybe maybe four. So I'm, I'm always down for some, for some Beyonce. I'm a big Beyonce fan. Um, even though this is technically Destiny's Child. Um, and, and even single ladies, like, they didn't sing it or anything. They did the dance, which I guess the dance is, like, the most iconic part of single ladies. But, like, right. feels like they don't, all, you know, they're not going to be singing much Beyonce. They really don't. I feel like it's because Ryan Murphy isn't uh, able to get contractually clear to do it. I feel like Beyonce is yeah. very, very uh, protective over her material and who can use mm-hmm. it and who can't. But yeah, I mean, it was very interesting to me because Miss Hitchens, during uh, her meeting with Mr. Shu, was talking about, you know, how they can't really afford anything, how they can't, they don't have a uh, stage or anything, they also don't have costumes. But the girls looked good. It was like, you don't really need costumes if you guys are able to color coordinate like that. They looked, you know, like uniform and like a team. So, like Matt said, they smashed it out of the park, like... They sang the hell out of that. Uh, the the lead vocalist was, you know, not only a good dancer but a, a great vocalist doing all the all the runs the way that Beyonce does. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. And as soon as they're done, they're like, okay, like we're out of here now. And they, you know, <laughs> head on out of the uh, auditorium, leaving Mr. Shu feel so so like, damn. Like I was expecting them to sort of like not give a damn because they're a school of ex of ex cons essentially, but they over here knocking out of the park in terms of vocals and choreography but rachel's gonna come up to him and be like mr shu don't be worried like that was all hairography they're using their hair to distract from the fact that they have so-so vocals and i'm like did you hear them that was not so-so like they hit all of those harmonies like yes some of it was in unison a lot of it was in unison but when the harmonies hit they hit and the lead vocalist was actually pretty good and the, the dancing was better than anything that you guys have ever done before so the fact that rachel pursed her lips to say something like that was like okay girl calm down yeah i guess this is rachel's like confidence that we've seen uh shining through a couple of these early episodes here is just continuing to 
uh, propel her forward as she she is trying to reassure Will that no, this is you know this is not actually competition. I don't know what she must have said to him after they've seen Vocal Adrenaline perform because I don't know what you can chalk that up to uh, as right? as to them not being severe competition or or maybe they have acknowledged that they are and that's why they're working so hard because not that they're going to be competing against Vocal uh, Vocal Adrenaline in the uh, sectionals here. They'll get to them later, but uh, that's that is something to be scared for. So they should be preparing uh, like taking notes with every single group that that they end up watching perform. But it seems like Rachel's just kind of right these these girls off saying that it's all just their hair but yeah again these girls look great i don't believe that this is their first time performing on a stage with risers because they look well rehearsed and ready to like kick new directions ass yeah she uh miss hitchens really like undersold uh her group's performance there because maybe that's maybe that was the point because they uh they absolutely knocked it out of the park and they inspired mr shu so much so that he is going to come up with the idea of oh you know what let's take a page out of their book and uh, do the same thing. So he comes up with the idea to give the kids wigs to really, I guess, up their uh, theatricality and take a little bit of that hairography that, that he saw with them. And Rachel's not very pleased about it. She immediately is going to confront him, like, what What do you think you're doing? Like, we're fine the way that we are. The other kids don't seem to, you know, be as averse to it. They, Especially the guys that don't really have a lot of hair as it is. Just very much embracing the uh the wiggetry of it all yeah puck's like can i uh can can i get anything with the mohawk or is the mohawk good no good mm-hmm. cory why did i just call him cory i called him by his real name uh <laughs> finn uh is is like rushing his hands through his hair like uh yeah i don't know what i can do with this but then the wigs come through and they they have a great time with that but this is just another crazy will schuster plan that could never possibly go wrong and will definitely not lead into a mashup because they're seriously obsessed with mashups once they discovered them a couple a couple episodes ago okay can i just get get this out of the way now like that mashup was horrible horrible i had such a better like i thought it was going to be so much better than i than it actually was like my memory of it for some reason is like really good but then watching it i am more inclined to agree with you like he, Mr. Shu couldn't figure out a way to mash up Thong Song and I Could Have Danced All Night, but he mashed up the title song of Hair and Crazy in Love. We barely get Beyonce songs as it is, and then you desecrate it with that. I just, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, but uh, yeah, so the kids are uh, having fun with the wigs and everything. Quinn is going to talk to Puck later on um, in the hallway, and Puck is essentially still kind of at it with Quinn, trying to assure her, hey, I'm here for you no matter what. I know that you think that Finn is the perfect guy to, to take care of you through this, but I still, you know, I, I want to be there for you. I want to help you. I wa- like, that's my child as well. And it kind of, like, makes uh, Quinn reevaluate just how much, just how much, uh, you know, grace she's showing him. And maybe Finn isn't the perfect guy to raise his baby with. I mean, it is Puck's baby after all, so... She's yeah, listen, I mean, a little bit. Puck's, Puck's been trying. Puck has been trying every step of the way to kind of show her that he is wanting to be a parent. He has said a million times, I'm not going to be a deadbeat dad like you think I am. And, you know, Quinn's had all of her focus on Finn. Like she brought Finn home uh, that the two of them have been linked up together throughout this entire process since she found out that she was pregnant um and since puck has been trying so hard she is reconsidering a little bit maybe i can keep the baby maybe i'm not giving uh, puck much of a chance and it's funny like we see her uh at at 
one point in this, she, she's giving us a little monologue about her current thoughts here. And she, we see her in the back of a car between uh, Terry Schuster and Kendra Schuster. Uh, or maybe Kendra's last name isn't Schuster, but whatever. Uh, and <laughs> the two of them are still, you know, all, all in on getting this baby from Quinn. And it seems like Quinn might be changing her mind. Yeah, I mean, she. Uh, we also get like a little bit of an inkling during her monologue saying that she, maybe it's not so much that she doesn't want to keep the baby, but more it's about she doesn't want to keep the baby with Finn. Um, and we, up until this point, we weren't, we had no idea that she was going to, that she even had any thoughts of like not keeping it at all. Um, but she decides that she has to um, pretty much put Puck through a trial run here and see how he is going to behave as a father. Um but she can't do that without Finn, you know, not knowing about it. So she comes up with this plan to get Kurt to offer Will, or excuse me, oh my God, I'm mixing all these names up, getting <laughs> Kurt to offer Rachel a makeover to, uh, I guess, attract Finn and distract him? Pretty much. So, I mean, at this point, she has had Finn wrapped around her finger, but. I guess in order to spend some time with Puck, she will need Finn distracted. Um, and Rachel is the exact distraction that Rachel's been not really going away easily this entire time. But I guess Quinn is starting to realize that Rachel is not exactly dressed well enough that she is like a permanent distraction. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, Finn does keep coming back to Quinn. So if Rachel is going to be of any help in this, she needs to start or she needs to stop looking, uh, as she puts it, like a grandmother and a toddler at the same time. Or, or maybe Kurt says that. But uh, either way, that's the point that we're getting here, that Rachel has no style, which is not something that I've super picked up on. Uh, but like, I guess Rachel just has her own style. Uh, and I guess this is the first time that we're getting called to the attention of the fact that like everybody is kind of laughing at her all the time we literally see her in a pantsuit that she has never worn before she doesn't dress like this usually but uh we're really getting hit over the head with uh that rachel does not know what she does when she gets dressed in the morning yeah i mean i feel like did you have this problem as well in high school matt were you like not the most fashion forward kind of person or were you kind of like okay on that front have you been like looking through my pictures or something is, are you calling me out no, I <laughs> no, but now I guess that's the answer to my question. <laughs> I I was nowhere near any kind of fashionable. I, I recycled the same like five Aeropostale and American Eagle hoodies uh, on on a weekly basis. I am about to snoop through your Facebook as we speak. You're not going to find anything <laughs> good. I'm sure I've hidden most of it all. <laughs> I haven't hidden anything. If there's any, if there's anybody that's friends with me on Facebook, like I. Everything is still there. All if, the embarrassing moments are, you know, intact. If you walked into an Aeropostel or an American Eagle and walked on the men's side of, of it all, then that's what I was wearing back uh, throughout high school and middle school. So. so Quinn needs to distract Finn and Terry also finds out that she needs to distract Will. Good old Ryan Murphy parallelism in every episode of Glee. Yeah. So they're in the bed about to fall asleep and then Will tries to make some moves on Terry to which Terry immediately shuts it down she's like what are you doing and Will's like I'm you know trying to be intimate with my wife and she's like no you're trying to have sex um and I'm like well yeah that's kind of a part of intimacy uh <laughs> and Terry of course you know does her usual gaslight routine saying like if you're really trying to be intimate you would you know ask me how I'm feeling and how ask me how everything is going with me instead of just trying to have a physical connection and because Will is such a pushover he's like you know what you're right you're right. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I. Uh, I. I'm, I'm trying to. You know. Be supportive here. 
and everything is going to be worth it when the baby comes, right? And Terry's like, yes, like everything will be will be worth it. Um, she has like a whole pillow barrier between the two of them. So, because I was wondering, like, how the hell has she been keeping this a secret as they sleep? Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of couples cuddle in the bed, and I guess that's just how she's been keeping him at bay is with all of these pillows the entire time. Yeah, some some people put up like a wall and you hear that expression of like, oh, you have a wall up and I can't communicate with you. But like Terry Schuster put up a literal wall of a like pillow fortress in the bed so that Will can't cross over it and, and I guess touch her or uh, communicate with her any more than absolutely necessary. So yeah, she's got to put this plan together to put some kind of distraction in place where uh, he can stop being so concerned about the baby and she can continue her behind the scenes maneuvering to, to make sure everything's put in place with Quinn while uh, she's obviously not actually with the baby and uh, she needs to distract him and distract him. She will. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's such a, a, a very effed up plan here. Like I, I just, I, I mean, I, I until I'm, I'm going to be harping on this until this part of the story concludes because I mean, the pillow barrier, the, 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 the fake, baby bump trying to figure out a way to exchange your baby with Quinn or to exchange like for Quinn to exchange her baby with you like it's just like where are the logistics here I just don't see how she's able to keep this up like the bitch deserves an Oscar an Emmy a Tony all of it because it's just the fact that or maybe just Mr. Shoe is just dumb as hell he sees himself in Finn and Finn is dumb as hell so I'm gonna say they're both dumb as hell uh all right well she um is going to uh, surmise that she needs uh, some sort of distraction. Um, and we see a, a look of, a, of an idea on her face, but we don't quite find out what it is. Um, and then we're going to move over to uh, Rachel and Kurt, as Kurt is trying to give her a good old-fashioned makeover at the behest of Quinn. And they sort of have uh, a little confiding moment here where Kurt pretty much tells Rachel, like, look, like, you are so talented, you're so you're you're so ambitious, you're clearly one of the best parts um of the Glee Club, but your personality is so rotten and so crazy that we just can't even we can't acknowledge that because you're you're annoying as hell. But he's he potentially reads her here. <laughs> and she can take it. I mean, especially since it's coming from somebody who at this moment she's like confiding in is like this is one of her good friends. Uh and, you know, the majority of this episode that's how she feels will get to a, a little bit more later on with that but she's just talking about how um like she gets that and she knows that she's a great performer and all this stuff like she she is not uh you know denying anything that Kurt said so far but she's basically saying that there's just one boy that she wants to impress because it's not been happening so far but she still feels like there you know might be something yeah. there blah 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 um and basically comes out with it that she is in love with Finn and Kurt is taken aback a little bit even though he kind of probably already knew this but like Remember one episode ago or two episodes ago, uh, we found out that Kurt himself is pretty much falling in love with Finn. So, uh oh, this is getting a little awkward here. Yeah. So, uh, Kurt's not going to like that because, of course, we just spent the past episode, you know, following him around as he follows Finn around. So, the, the claws is going to come out here. As soon as uh, Rachel tells him that, he essentially changes the whole direction of the makeover. And before we can figure out what that direction is going to be, we're going to move on over to Terry as she finds the distraction for Mr. Shu in a new fixer-upper in an automobile. Um, I guess 
Will likes cars. I guess that's the character development that we're supposed to get here because there's no mention of it previously. But he likes to get his hands dirty and be a grease monkey working on cars. And he loves it. It's like the perfect distraction for him because he eats it on up. Um, in the background, Kendra is going to be walking uh, Quinn up to their apartment, and uh, which is so bold. Like, Kendra is crazy. Why would you bring her there? Especially, And why would you be with her? Like, it was just like, you know that Will could be home. It's just, are you trying to get her caught? Like I feel like she just loves to live on the edge. Pretty much, here. Kendra doesn't give a crap. She she doesn't think uh, you know any any steps ahead. But this this story with Will is getting uh, like you said a little like the this development here about how Will is apparently a big car guy is funny because like the first one of the first scenes that we see of him driving the car that he was driving with like the muffler dragging to the ground and uh, he obviously has had car issues before. So we're gonna go from whatever that was to this car that was apparently from like when they were kids. Will literally talks about how they used to uh, like after prom they did it in the back seat of a car that looked just like this one. And now Terry got this off eBay uh, to try to recreate that magic and keep Will distracted. So uh, keeping the love alive between these two. If they can't get anything going in the bed, at least they can uh, show each other their love through this new blue bo- uh, bomber. Yes, exactly. So uh, Kendra's gonna take uh, Quinn up to the apartment. Terry's gonna meet them there, uh, and Quinn essentially is like, "Look, I want to keep the baby." We're dropping a bomb on the both of them, and Terry at this point looks utterly terrified because her entire plan is going to crash, and she, you know, it's it's ruined now. Like, th- th- there's no way to get around this lie, unless you fake an abortion or fake some sort of like. You know, I don't even know. I don't even know what you would do at this point. And they ha- they can't be too surprised about this. I mean, she is 16 right. years old and, you know, she's she's having this baby where she obviously has been going through a roller coaster of emotions with what she, you know, what she can or what she wants to do with it. But now we're at this point where she is kind of shifting towards the idea that she wants to keep it. I mean, she's completely shifted at this point. She says that she's keeping the baby and they are obviously not happy with this answer. But I mean, again, how can you be surprised? And of course, they're not going to take this answer for for uh, for her word. And they're going to have to find some other plan to make Quinn decide that she will give them the baby. So Kendra is just I, I truly, 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 truly. How many times have I watched Glee? And I just rewatched a couple months ago. And I did not remember Kendra being this much of a player in any of this stuff when I have revisited for uh, yeah, for this. Did I. She's she's quite the uh, conniving conniving bitch for lack of a better word um so terry at this point is distraught she's like i i, I can't do this anymore I, I i need to figure out a way to tell him what's going on because this is not like what am i going to do i don't have a baby i don't have a baby and i don't have quinn's baby so what the hell am i going to do kendra is sitting there sipping her wine like girl calm the hell down like we're just going to have to figure out a way to get quinn to change her mind and she comes up with the idea of having Quinn babysit her devil spawn children because at the beginning of this season, um, in a uh, like a lunch scene with Kendra, Terry, Will, and Kendra's husband, we see those kids running around the house screaming nonstop, acting like they don't got no mama. And I guess that's her plan of uh, getting Quinn to understand just how much uh, work and how much of a hassle kids can really be. Even though Quinn wouldn't have to deal with that per se, she'd just be having to deal with a baby for quite some time. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, she's coming up with another form of contraception for Quinn here. And Terry's enamored by the idea. She thinks it could actually work. 
Why not? I mean, everybody knows how, how terrible Kendra's kids are, and it definitely has nothing to do with the parenting or anything like that, because Kendra's obviously a perfect parent. But uh, it's we get some like funny uh, Kendra development here. Just She's talking about how like she hates seeing her husband happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also at, at one point like literally like sweating over Will walking in. He's like got grease all over his hands, and she's like sweating seeing how like hot he looks with like that he just came in working on a car. And like, hello, this is your brother-in-law. Like, can you <laughs> Can you please relax? Yeah, they, I didn't even think about that. That is her brother-in-law. It's really, really weird, actually. Yes, <laughs> like she's she, she's she's such a mess. So in the meantime, back at the school, the uh, Glee Club director of the other rival school, the uh, what is the school called? Uh, Haverbrook Academy for the Deaf, our school for the deaf. Yes. Um, their Glee Club director, Dalton Rumba, is going to pay Will a visit. He's offended at the fact that they invited the Jane Addams Academy girls for a scrimmage, but completely neglected uh, his kids. Um, and Mr. Shu was trying to explain to him, like, look, it has nothing. To, I, there's nothing against you. I just, you know, I had a meeting with her and we invited them over because they don't have a stage and they don't have a lot of money. So we thought that it would be a nice, you know, gesture if we invited them over to our school to, to, to perform. Um, and he's like, you think that we're rolling our money, too? Like, we're also trying we're struggling to get you know, funding because no one thinks that deaf kids, you know, need to be involved in music, but my kids have a song in their heart and we're going to hear that line over and over and over again throughout the entire series of Glee. But yeah. So Mr. She was like, oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. How about we also bring them on over? But the whole meeting is hampered by the fact that Dalton Rumble also has a hearing problem. So Mr. Shu is forced to repeat himself over and over and over again um, throughout the duration of their talk, which was some uh, pretty good comedy there. A, l- a little bit of dark humor, not like super dark, uh, but like this guy is obviously like he's the director of the Glee Club for a school with deaf children. I'll and partially like deaf. you said, he himself is also partially deaf. So like the entire time that Will's talking to him, he's like, he doesn't re- he doesn't like recognize that his phone is ringing. And it's just like very funny little bits of comedy in there as, as this is all happening. But yeah, so we're going to get both schools uh, that are competing at sectionals against the new directions are going to stop by for a visit in this episode. And uh, we'll get back to these guys a little bit later, but, we are we're we're meeting the two people that supposedly Sue Sylvester is in cahoots with. With uh, you know, Will thinks that the set list has been given out to these guys, and now Will's kind of making friendships with them. So I don't know. This seems to be progress. Yeah, little progress there. You know, trying to keep your enemies close, I guess. Um, so we are finally going to see the results of Rachel's makeover, and she's shredding down the hall in like this very skinny uh, black dress, hair done. Makeup judged up, breast pushed up. <laughs> honestly, she looks, she looks good. very good. I'm honestly surprised that she's allowed to be walking in the school. Like, but then again, it's the adults here at the school clearly are. You know, it is what it mm-hmm. is. Like Figgins would have Figgins would have held the door open for her and said, "Hi, Rachel, welcome to school today." <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, the easily influenced Finn is going to be completely enamored by this and uh, comes up to her to talk to her and. Uh, Miss Rachel does not really play it off very well. She's like, "Oh, hi. Did you want to ask me something? Me? Did you want to talk? The guy that I like? Do you? Oh, hi, Finn. I, I didn't even <laughs> see you there. Even when she's like sexy, she's still Rachel. Like it's just not. It's just not her gig. No, it's but not. But she suggests that the two of them hang out on Friday night so that they can go over some hierography. Um, 
uh, stuff. And Finn is like, you know, yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm totally cool with it. Let's, let's do it. Um, he's then going to go to Quinn and ask for permission to go out and hang Friday night. And of course, of course, this is what Quinn wanted. So she's like, yeah, 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 go ahead. Um, I need to babysit anyway. Then Quinn is going to go over to Puck and be like, oh, so what are you doing Friday night? Do you wanna, do you wanna, you know, help me babysit? And of course, since Puck is looking for any excuse to be around Quinn and also is looking for any excuse to prove that he is a noble father, uh, he's of course is going to agree. So all of the uh all of the uh plans are are going accordingly for Quinn. Yep. Yep, plans plans are set in, in motion and it seems to be all going exactly how everybody mm-hmm. wanted it to go. Um just I mean, it is Something that I guess we should put a little bit of a post-it on here, how the way that Finn reacts to Rachel is he is very shocked. And you would think that his response is like, oh, my God, she looks so hot. Of course, I'm distracted by her. We will find out a little bit later on that maybe that reaction is just kind of like more surprised than like. Yeah. So like it's it's not something that you notice until you exactly find out why later on or like what his true feelings on the whole thing are. He's just completely like this is not the Rachel that he that he is used to that he knows at all. So even though he said yes to going to her house, I don't know that he's completely in love with this look just yet. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's not. Yeah, I think it's just like the general shock. It's like, oh, Rachel's a girl and also attractive. And I kind of want me a little something, 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 some of that. So, yeah, that's pretty much it here. Back in the Glee Club, Brittany's getting another Britney moment. I love the Britney moments. They're so far and few between, but they're so great. They're just, you know, they're small, but they're, but they pack a punch. Uh, she's going to show them how to, to whip their hair back and forth. Um, and she looks good doing it. The rest of them don't look so good. Some of them are clearly hurting their necks as they're doing it. Um, well, see, behind, behind the scenes, I want to say I read a note uh, or like a, a trivia thing on the uh, the Glee Wikipedia site that Brittany was or, or uh, Heather Morris was the one who like invented the idea for this episode. Like she went to Ryan Murphy with or maybe she just used to like talk about hairography to like the cast. And I think that that's what inspired this episode. So uh, if that is true, it makes sense why she's getting a lot of time mm-hmm. here uh, explaining the, all of this to the Glee Club. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, I mean, this is like right after uh, uh, Heather Morris was on tour with Beyonce. And Beyonce's uh, Crazy in Love tour is very much, like, it's one of her most high-energy tours, and a lot of it is, there's a lot of hairography when it comes to Beyonce. Um, So she had just come off of that tour and into Glee, so she took a lot of that with her. Um, So I'm not surprised that this uh, made its way um, onto the show. So good for Heather Morris. Any any Beyonce yep. content is always good content for me, so I love it. It is, yeah, yeah. So, but I, Brittany's like having a good time here. But uh, we we kind of stepped away a little bit from the Will and Sue of it all, just while it seemed like Will was settling things down. But t- turns out that Sue's not going to give up so no. easily. So Sue or Sue is looking in on them from the class uh, from from the hallway. Mr. Shu sees her, follows her out, and is like, I know what you've been doing. You're spying on us, and not only have you been spying on us, but you have been leaking all of our details to the rival clubs. Don't try and deny it, because I know what the hell's going on here. Uh, And Sue kind of rebuttals with like, well, look, you're out here trying to get these kids to break their necks with all of this hairography foolishness, and maybe you cared about this club in the beginning. Maybe this was a lot. Maybe this meant a lot to you. But right now, you're just proving that this is like a farce, and it needs to be stopped. Like this is this is this is BS. And 
Um, of course, Will takes offense to that. Like, you're not going to, you cannot tell me how to run this club. Like, you're not, you don't have anything to do with this. So, like, I don't appreciate you trying to come in here and dictate how this is supposed to work. There, there's a lot of yelling, a lot of, uh, we're, we're back to the good old Will and Sue fighting of it all, even though they seem to be at peace for a little bit, a couple episodes ago. Uh, and it's just as they start to, to get at each other, the kids are all literally staring at them. Uh, they, they've walked their way towards the, towards the hallway. And as Will and Sue kind of slow down the argument a little bit, they look inside and see 24 eyes looking right. back at them. I just feel like if the theme of the episode was distraction and hair, like I feel like Will should have been trying to find a way to distract Sue again, because when she was, you know, had the prospect of getting some D in her life, she was, you know, hunky dory fine. But as soon as she lost that, you know, she's back to her usual antics. So I feel like your your best bet here, Will, is to try and find somebody else to distract her with. But I guess it's just lost on him because he's just so. I mean, Will saw that Sue was like a happier person once she got set up on exactly. a date. So like you would think that he would like put in massive amounts of work to find Sue somebody to like go out with so that she would uh, take her any kind of feelings she has elsewhere in a, in a more positive way. But that doesn't seem to be on his right. agenda. Um, so Sue is like, listen, I want an updated uh, set list. Like now Will is going to refuse. So Sue is going to forcibly reinstate herself as co-captain. Back at it again. Back, back, back again with the usual antics between the two of them. Rachel and Finn are at her house. They are going to rehearse some hairography, choreography, I guess. Rachel is getting zhuzhed up in the bathroom while Finn is waiting in her, in her room. Um, and when she comes out, she is dressed just like Olivia Newton-John in Greece. I'm not really sure why she would go back so many decades to look sexy, but well, okay. This is this is all Kurt's fault. Uh, this is Kurt's plan from start to finish. He literally brought up Greece when they were in their first se- you know session of makeover, and he says like, you know how in Greece, uh, like the way that Sandy ends up like gaining attention is she starts to like dress herself, uh, I guess in a way that gets whatever, like gets her more attention. So he basically tries to say that she needs to like dress a little bit more scandalous, uh, scandalously, if that's a word. Uh, and again, this is not something that Finn seems to be too into, but they're going to start, I guess, practicing here there. Cause she's still doing her hairography lesson. That's the point of this hangout. Uh, and Finn starts singing. You're the one that I want, which uh, this isn't going to be a full performance. We, we already had one of those this season, but uh, it was Finn is going to call her. Uh, say, recording as the first one too which i found kind of funny i didn't pick up on that but i i now that you say it it does sound uh very probable uh but finn is going to call her out on the fact that he doesn't like the way that she's dressed right now he's like uh i like the way you usually dress uh not whatever this is and finn like sits there and he starts to think about how like what does he want like or what does he like to see a girl like dressed up as I guess in that's a weird way of putting it. But yeah, he just kind of comes to this realization that didn't I just tell Kurt the other day, something like this. And we get a flashback to him telling Kurt exactly how he likes, uh, like, like his ideal woman's outfit, I guess. Like what's a better way to phrase this? I feel like I'm flubbing it. Yes. And it's not this. And, uh, maybe Kurt completely sabotaged Rachel. Uh, maybe definitely. That's what he did. Yeah. I mean, Kurt's just been, Sabotaging everybody. Sabotage Finn last time. Sabotage Rachel today. It's just like, I just feel like 
it's such a regression too. Like she looked good. I mean, she looks good in both looks, to be honest. But she looked so much better in the one that she wore to school. And I don't know why you would go back three decades, four decades for this look when the other one was so much more modern and so much more sexy. It's just so it's just so strange. Like Kurt really uh he he got her ass. Like it's just it is so bad. And Finn is going to pretty much tell her that, you know, he calls her a sad clown hooker, tells her that he likes what she wears. He likes the knee-high socks. He likes all of the stuff that's so natural and so quirky because it's so her. And whatever she has going on right now is just not her. And he decides that he, he needs to go because he's, you know, he feels like he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Like, he's already supposed to be with Quinn. And so, you know, going here behind her back, um, allegedly behind her back, is just not what he needs to be doing. And he's going to make the decision to leave. And Rachel's going to be left feeling so stupid and and, and, and dejected and just... Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful Rachel, once again. Always the bridesmaid. Yep, nothing nothing Rachel likes more than uh, being made to look a fool, which happens almost every episode. But Quinn and Puck are babysitting the Devil Spawn children. Um, and they are they, the, the kids apparently have had them tied up uh, because they agreed to play cops and robbers. But I'm not sure what they're robbing because it just seems like they tied them up for an excuse to just run around the house and wreak havoc. Um, we see that Puck is texting in the midst of this crisis, which uh, Quinn finds very much annoying. Uh, he kind of brushes it off that he's, you know, talking to Mike Chang about, what was it? I forget what the hell he was talking about, but something, something weird. Um, but they brush it off. They're able to free themselves. Um, and they figure out a way to get the kids to calm down. So Puck busts out his guitar and they put on a rendition of Papa Don't Preach, which gets the kids' yeah. attention, surprisingly. Yeah, Qu- Quinn's like, you guys want to see a real-life music video? And they're all excited. Why not? So, yeah, they, they go into Papa Don't Preach, and Quinn sounds great. Uh, it's not the you know it's not a full length performance. It's like just enough to get the kids' attention. And from this point on, the kids are hooked. And uh, not only are is like Quinn kind of realizing in this moment that like, Hey, Puck and I just pulled off a little bit of, you know, we, we accomplished something here. Uh, I mean, for the two of them work well together with uh, Puck playing the guitar and Quinn singing. So it's just like all around, I think, Quinn is is feeling this moment for herself yeah. and for Puck. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, I guess the babysitting is a success because when Kendra and Terry return, the uh, the boys are asleep, washed, in pajamas, all settled down. Kendra looks like she hasn't seen that sight in years and is questioning her own mothering skills and trying to figure out how the hell Quinn and Puck were able to do that, which, of course, is just going to make uh, Quinn feel more better about how she uh, how she feels about Puck and her chances at being a yeah, this whole, uh, parent, parenting duo. This whole plan was to... Um was to show Quinn that like kids are terrible and you should not want to keep yours because this is going to be your life every day for like the next however many years as you're raising this child. And then Quinn, obviously we know that she's only having one child and she goes ahead and puts all three of them to bed and they have a great night. She gets them in a bath. Like they smell good. And, uh, the, uh, Terry and Kendra are noticing that. So this plan failed big time. Like this, this whole operation show Quinn that parenting sucks. She just shut them both down. So that plan's not going to work yeah, out too well. Not at all. I kind of shot them both in the face. Um, so yeah. Um, I guess Terry is still kind of SOL here. 
And, you know, while Terry's failing, Will's also kind of failing. He has a conversation with Kendra's uh, husband. I guess I could not tell that this guy uh, was anybody important for a second, but I, I have to assume this was Kendra's husband. Um, and, and the guy's like, so what are you going to do with that car? Like when the kid comes, what are you, what are you planning on doing with that broken down tiny little you can't fit a car seat in there and will kind of does some thinking and maybe realizes that that's true and then like this did you know did you find this little transition here as weird as i did because we go from that talk to quinn and puck so i didn't realize that they were all in the same Mm -hmm. house i like they had to be right it was just weird. Uh, then Quinn and Puck come down the hallway, and I guess they're celebrating a little bit because they just pulled that off. And Puck is like, "See, like we can do it. We can do this parenting thing." So again, Terry and Kendra's mission failed. Uh, Will is doing some more thinking, and the energy in this house right now is just. All yeah, it's over a very place. hectic house tonight. <laughs> and I'm guessing it's Kendra and Terry's. Yeah, it's Kendra. It's Kendra's apartment because that's where the kids are. So, but it looked like Will's too. I think they used the same set for the. That's what I was confused about. I was like, this looks like the house that we've been in for, well, I don't know. Yeah, they they use the same set. They just shot from different angles. That's what it looks like to make it seem a little different. Uh, Rachel is going to confront Kurt and let him know, like, bitch, you set my ass up. You told me that Finn was so into, like, Grease and, like, 50s hookers and like i'm pissed off because now i just embarrassed the hell out of myself and he just went running back to quinn so what the fuck do you have to say for yourself um and kurt pretty much sort of just like is like look i'm doing you a favor it's not going to work out between the two of you he's in love with quinn and you're fooling yourself and you know rachel kind of hits him right back and like well even so my chances are still higher than yours because i'm a girl so take that bitch and that's like the kind of thing that gives you like extreme secondhand embarrassment slash cringe slash you're like, ugh, like you knew that Rachel was going to come out with that line eventually because it's true. But it's like hearing it out loud makes you feel so bad for Kurt because it's like, come on, like Kurt was wrong to do this. But like at the end of the day, poor guy still just has a crush, on, like you said, unrequited love that like he's not going to be able to have Finn love him back. And he should work towards accepting that. But just getting hit with that, like reality of uh it's never going to happen for you because you are not a girl like uh poor guy uh so i feel for him a little bit there but rachel's not wrong and rachel has already caught his attention in the first place let alone the fact that she is a girl so kurt and rachel i guess are going to connect a little bit here even though they're uh fighting right now because of what just happened but they do connect over the fact that like neither of them have finn and they both want finn and kurt I guess tries to cover this up a little bit by saying, well, the only reason that neither of us have a chance is because he's still in love with Quinn. Uh, And I I guess he's trying to make himself feel a little bit better by saying that, even though it's not necessarily true in his case. I mean, I'm glad that Rachel said it. I mean, I felt bad for him, but I mean, he needed to hear it, honestly. And I don't, because I don't think there's a lot of people that he can even have these kinds of conversations with. Like he does. I mean, he just came out to his dad. He doesn't really talk to anybody in the Glee Club except Mercedes. Um, And even then, we don't really see the two of them talk that much. So he doesn't really have anybody to, you know, go and talk about, oh, my God, I'm so in love with this guy. So if there was somebody that was going to, like, put an end to the fantasy and make it bring him back to reality, I'm glad that it was somebody as crass as Rachel because she wasn't going to beat around the bush about it. And so, I mean, there it is. I mean, you, you, you sort of have to. I mean, it's it's hard being gay and it's hard being in the closet and it's hard sort of like being alone as well. But it's it's hard, you know, it's it's even harder when you push yourself through fantasies that are just not going to come true. So I'm glad that someone was able to sort of ground him in that moment. 
um, the other confrontation that we're going to see is between Quinn and Santana. This is like our first Santana spicy moment, honey. Yes. Yes. Santana is here and then watch the hell out, everybody. Like, oh, my God. So she tells she tells Quinn to stay away from her man. Uh, Quinn's like, who the hell is your man? She's like, don't play stupid, Tubbers. Puck. I know that you guys were babysitting last night, which is super 90s. Who the hell asks anybody to babysit with them? And while you guys were babysitting, he was sexting me. Quinn doesn't know what sexting is. So Santana spicily informs her what sexting is. And she's like, if you don't need if you need proof, go ahead and check his phone because my stuff is way too hot to delete. Stay away from my man. You're preggers. Go with uh go be with uh, uh Finn over there and leave me out of it. Leave me and Puck out of it. And that's it. And walks away and Santana Lopez has some lines. Somebody wrote those lines for Santana. The character is coming alive. And this is the beginning. This is only the beginning. I have so many rants of Santana's I, that I have memorized and I cannot wait to show them off in the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Like we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. When we're here on episode 11 of this season, and we finally get some Santana shining through. Uh, and you know what? I have mentioned that she's got my stand card. She will always have it. And hey, I'm I'm having an easier time explaining as to why than you are with uh, Rachel Berry over there. So things are going pretty well for me. Uh, Santana coming <laughs> in with. Uh, I mean, we we haven't seen Quinn Santana and Brittany kind of all together in a few episodes. They obviously aren't on the Cheerios together anymore. And I always thought it was weird how like there was never any follow up with Quinn and the other two girls in terms of like she's off the Cheerios, but like she never talked to them and said, like, it's OK if you guys still want to do it. Like, even though we're like three best friends, like, I don't mind if you guys stick around. So I wasn't sure like how they were trying to portray it as the relationship being with them, even though, you know, they're still friends, whatever. Um, so I guess we're, we're finding out here that. However, they did feel when Quinn got kicked out, whether, you know, regarding her pregnancy and all that kind of stuff, uh, things are going to heat up here because now Quinn and Santana are kind of fighting over the same man now that Quinn realized she wants Puck right. as well. And this, of course, hurts Quinn because she's was under the impression that Puck really wanted to be there for her. And he is the father. Like, I can't, like, he is the father of the child. So she's, you know, trying to do right by him. And, you know, she gave him some, gave him a, gave him a chance and everything went swimmingly. And now all of a sudden you're telling me that the whole thing was a lie because Puck was into Santana the entire time, which like, like she knew that beforehand, like Puck and Santana weren't exactly secret about them you know, being a bit of a thing. So I don't understand why she was so blindsided by it. But I mean, Puck really did sort of, you know, pull a fast one on her, making it seem like he was 100% Team Quinn. And then to go ahead and start texting Santana's kind of screwed up. So yeah, so she'll, she'll sit on this for now while she's, you know, processing this information. And the Glee Club has a performance that they have to get to now that the, uh, what is it, Haverbrook? Yeah, Haverbrook School for the Deaf is, uh, has stopped by. And it's very, like, very glee to see that this whole thing just happened and now they're all going to go perform and just act right. like nothing's wrong. So this song starts off, uh, they're in the choir room performing for the uh, the deaf students. The song kicks off. I'm thinking, oh shit, I forgot they did this Beyonce song. This is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to hear Mercedes slay this. And then hair. Hair and Crazy in Love mashed up here. Again, this, uh, this mashup thing has been happening and it's still happening and uh i thought Artie and mercedes sounded good <sighs> the fact that they sounded good makes it even worse because it's like you're wasting such talent on this 
fuckery. I was just so mad. I was so mad. And the deaf kids did not uh, take too kindly to it either. We see two of them sign to one another saying, they look crazy. What's going on? Like, and they can't, they, and they can't hear. So all that, they're forced to rely on the visuals. And because of the fact that they can't hear what's coming out of their mouths, I can only imagine that this looks insane. Like, I would not know. If I were deaf, I would not know what they were singing. Like, what is this? <laughs> And I think that's the point <laughs> that we're we're supposed to see how ridiculous it is that Sue gave them not Sue uh, that Will gave them this assignment where it was just about uh, you know whip your hair all over the place and make as much of a big scene as you can. So uh, I, I think exactly what you're saying is is pretty much the point here. They're they're trying to get across that this is this is a mess, <laughs> a whole a whole mess. I'm just the wigs that the uh, some of the guys got were just like so. I mean, already with dreads, it's just something I don't need to see ever again. It's just, it, 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 it's, a cho- it's a choice. It's a choice. The mm-hmm. uh, Haverbrook kids mm-hmm. are going to get up next and uh, perform their song. And this song is kind of triggering to me, considering a bunch of celebrities are, you know, singing this song because of the coronavirus update. Uh, but whatever. Um, they go ahead and sing Imagine, or they sign Imagine mostly. And because, you know, they are deaf, they, you know, have some problems with pitch. So it's more of like a spoken word-esque performance. But beautiful nonetheless, and I think it's a very sobering moment for the Glee kids, Mercedes noticeably, because she happens to be the first one to get up and actually start singing with them. Because I guess you know it starts to real they start to realize like we were doing a lot just now, and we don't need that. Like we we're talented as we are, we just need to be honest with our performance and look at these kids. They obviously, you know, they don't have as much musical talent as we do for obvious reasons, but their performance is was still better than ours. So what the hell are we doing? Um, so they go ahead and join the uh, Haverbrook students to uh, sing the song. And it's a, it's a pretty touching moment. It's a, it's a very glee moment, very schmaltzy, very sentimental, but uh, very real at the same time. I've always loved this this number. It's one of my favorites of the season. Uh, just like one of like the low key favorites, like um, the fact that they all get up and they start singing with them, and they sound good as well. Like uh, Artie and Mercedes also kind of take the lead here. Uh, at least at the beginning, uh, and they both sound just as good as they did in the last number, and it's it's just very touching. While uh, everybody gets up and they kind of find a buddy in uh, in the school for the deaf, and they just follow along and try to pick up on all the sign language that that they're doing, and then you know they end it, and Will uh, does some sign language clapping to just applaud them, and it, like you said, it's just as very touching, cries, uh, very sobering for all of them. Yeah, he's he's like tearing up. Um, and this again, I mean, parallelism. This is trying to trying to give us the message here that just like Rachel dressing up in this wild, ridiculous outfit, uh, sometimes keeping it simple and just getting to you know be exactly who you are and what you are, and uh, you don't always have to dress everything up to be uh, all this all this hair and all of this outfit that she was wearing earlier and everything that the glee club was just doing uh to to get a good performance or just to be yourselves Mm -hmm. like people like you for uh the simple things so that's seems to be a big theme of this episode and i think will got the point now yeah i just need somebody to do a youtube compilation of glee but all the times where will cries (laughs) because i feel like it'd be just as long as the season to be honest so quinn is going to go ahead and talk to puck about what santana said and ultimately, Puck decides that he's not willing to change just because he's going to be a father, which is uh, just it just hits Quinn uh, like a sack of bricks because, yeah, like Puck is very much into Quinn, 
But he's like, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop being a guy, which is such bullshit. Like, screw you, Puck. Like, it doesn't, it means you're just not going to stop being an asshole. And it's nothing to do with the fact that you're a guy. You're just an ass. And so Quinn is like, you, you told me that you wanted to be with me. You told me that you wanted to be there for me. Like, I don't understand. And Puck's like, I have needs. And Santana fulfills those needs. And I mean, I mean, fair, because, I mean, you're definitely, we were never told that they broke up. I mean, I guess we were supposed to assume that when he got with Rachel, that was a bit of a breakup. But, like, there's still, like, a fling. So I'm not that surprised here that Puck is hooking up with Santana. Like, it's just not. They're just each other's booty calls at the end of the day. Like, there's no love between them. Yeah. But, the, the yeah, these, it's it's a very gross scene from Puck. It like truly reminds me of Artie uh, finding, you know, uh, us falling in love with Artie and feeling sympathy towards him. And that's what we've been doing with Puck for these past couple of episodes, feeling a little bad for him because he's been trying so hard and getting nowhere with, you know, this is his baby after all. Uh, And then just like Artie tells us about how his penis works and we lose all sympathy with him. uh, Puck here is going to just break down any walls that we've put up uh, in terms of like feeling good about him and feel or feeling bad for him uh and then we just lose that completely where he is is being an asshole to quinn here and saying i still want to be a dad but i'm gonna do my own thing and be with other girls as well because if we can't have sex while this is happening or or at all whatever so this is going to shift quinn's decision back towards the other direction in terms of uh, what she wants to do with her baby because all along she was feeling like she didn't want to have this baby if it was with Finn because he's probably not ready to be a dad yet. But hey, maybe Puck is ready to be a dad. And this episode shows that maybe he was because they did a great job with babysitting. But this is kind of putting her back in the headspace of no, uh, there there is no good option here for a dad, whether it's Puck, whether it's Finn. So I, I, I might or not whether be able to do this. whether it's you as well, Quinn. Like, this is a soft spoiler. Like, Santana is going to get into Quinn later on in the series, talking about how Quinn lets men sort of, like, define her life and who she is as a person. And this is, like, one of the first examples. Like, she is so focused on image, and part of her image is just, you know, if she has the right guy by her side. But, Quinn, you're also not ready either. You're just you're just not. The fact that you are even contemplating giving your baby to the wife of your teacher is just like it just shows a level of like you're you're just not ready so stop trying to make it so much about puck or finn and just be honest with yourself and be like like look i'm 16 and i don't want this for myself you know i i I see what you're saying but i i kind of don't feel it that way about it i feel like especially now that we met her parents uh and we saw her dad is like a monster i feel like i do sympathize and i believe her that she just wants to make sure that the right dad is in the picture i mean we just saw that her dad has no idea how to truly be a dad and i think that just has her so scarred that she doesn't want to put her baby in a situation where uh, they won't have two loving parents. And and I mean, you're probably not wrong that like she's not ready herself, but I think she just is, again, so scarred by the fact that she sees her house as not an example of what she mm-hmm. wants. And I guess if she can't get to that point, uh, she's just not, you know, if the picture isn't going to be complete, then uh, she's going to find a better alternative. And Terry's still like barking up her tree, uh, you know, calling her up saying, uh, so did you change your mind yet? So. Yeah, no, point point taken. Yeah. Point uh, taken. There definitely is like a lot. She, I mean, there's clearly an issue um, when it comes to her and her father. And so that might, you know, affect how she views fatherhood and how she, you know, it affects how she views manhood in general. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, why? Why are they? Why is Puck or why is Finn? Because um, Puck is sort of like the obvious, like, no go. But why is Finn any less ready than you are? It's just like I just don't. 
I, I just I just feel like she has to be more honest with herself when it when it comes to this because clearly she's a mess right now. But nevertheless, she is going to go and tell yeah. Terry um, that she. Never mind. You can have the baby now. Um, so which Terry is like, oh my god, are you serious? Which if I were Terry, I'd be like, nah, bitch. Like I'd be like, go ahead and th- no, keep your baby. I'm gonna be honest with my husband because that's what the reasonable person does. Because if the girl said yes, you can have a baby, and then said no, you can't, and now says yes again, like no. <laughs> like, I know. I know. <laughs> it's just not a good look. Mister Shoe's gonna walk in on them and is confused as to why. Quinn is there again. Like Quinn is like becoming a, a second member of the family now. Like uh, she's babysitting. I, I have a note in my in my notes. The amount of times that Will Schuster comes home to find members of the new club <laughs> in his house is just alarming. Like they should not be at his house at all. Let alone the amount of times that they are. Rachel's been there. Quinn, Puck, everybody's everybody's it's coming so by bad. the house. Like you are not supposed to see your kids outside like, of work. He would be let crucified alone. in like today's society if that were a thing and people found that out. Like it would be oh my a god shit show. Not, not no good. All. No good. So uh, Terry sort of brushes it off, saying, "Oh, we're just you know we're you know we're about to be mom, so we're just exchanging horror stories about our pregnancies and everything, just giving each other advice." Which Mister Shu eats up once again. Another Emmy to Terry. She just she can lie so fucking <laughs> fast. It's scary. And before Quinn leaves, she can't resist but make things a little bit more awkward. And this would have been the tip off to me if I were Mister Shu. But he gives her or she gives him this long ass hug, and then says later, Mister Shu. Um, to which Mr. She was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, that was like, like Quinn does not hug me. Quinn is not a hugger. Like, why? Like, why? why? No, no. And, and what's happening here? What's happening is that Quinn has, you know, she she does ask Terry. She's like, you think that Will or Mr. Shoe is going to be a good dad? Like, you really think so, right? And like, she just needs that reassurance because if she's giving her baby to this family again, her number one priority is finding like a, a mom and a dad in a house that will be perfect for her child and she i mean she's been getting to know terry she knows terry wants the baby just just uh, plenty uh but she like asks for some reassurance about will and then when she kind of gets that and she sees will and she just kind of breaks mm-hmm. down and she's like this is the guy that's going to end up being the dad of my baby and she just falls into his arms and gives him a hug and yeah he's confused uh the pieces are still not put together for him because of course they're not going to be anytime soon but uh quinn is is gonna head out here having made up her mind about what she's gonna do but i mean will and terry still Still, still, these stupid cars don't, they, they won't get off of these no. cars. Uh, so he uh, is going to reveal to her that he went ahead and pawned the the car that she got him after he fixed it up a bit and bought a minivan just uh, for the family. Even though it's, you know, it's just one baby. I mean, I guess they plan on having another, <laughs> but... But like, come on, like it is, this is the year 2009 and we are looking at this minivan that is from like 1998 yeah. or uh, no, I was going to say 1988. Like this thing is so old and you can't convince me that Will on a teacher salary, I know teachers don't make as much money as they should, but you can't convince me that he can't get anything better than this. Like this was literally $500 from Especially some local eBay auction. Ohio. Like I just feel like cars are not that expensive in Ohio. I could be wrong about that, but I just... It's so, so, so cringy, the, the cars that these guys pull out and just convince themselves that are <laughs> are any kind of livable. But Yeah, that thing looks like it has yeah. like shag carpeting inside. It's just not, it's not the tea. But, like, that has stains <laughs> in the backseat. Yeah, like, like, like crime was committed with that van. Like, it's just not. Yes. But, I mean, Terry likes the gesture and is so touched by it. And, you know, she just, she wants this will. She wants to be able to have this will, the will that is 
such a family man and wants to be with her and wants to take care of her and the child. And that's why she's lying is because she doesn't want to lose that. But the problem is there's no family to take care of. It's just her. So the fact that Quinn is now deciding to give her the baby again, I guess this is just like reassurance to Terry in her mind, in her crazy mind that this is all going to work out in the end. So it's a bit of a touching yep. moment, but it's it's a false moment, but it's a touching moment between the two of them. Yes. Finn and Quinn are going to talk in the hall and sort of make up. Quinn just like, can we just be in love again? I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry for being so nagging and sorry for calling you stupid and all of this stuff. It's just I've been so concerned about the baby and everything. And I, I just want us to be okay. And Finn, you know, of course, after having his little his little soiree with Rachel feels similarly and just realizes that he just really wants to be with Quinn and he wants to be there for her and take care of the child. So they make up. Um, but Finn is like, I want to be honest with you. I don't want to lie to you. Um, I want to tell you that I was with Rachel on Friday night when I asked you if I could hang out, which Quinn looks upset over. But also this was part of Quinn's plan. So she really can't be mad at him for that. Um, so he, she's like, it's OK. Like, it's it's fine. And nothing really happened between Finn and Rachel anyway. So even if it wasn't a part of the plan, it's not like Finn is totally in the wrong here. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Quinn is just, you know, they they are making back up and Quinn, I think, is, is on a somewhat better page here now that she kind of has Finn back and she has a plan for the baby. And that's where she is going to keep her head for now. And we do end up seeing Rachel, who sees Quinn and Finn back together walking down the hallway. And Rachel looks down and she sees Kurt and she kind of waves and he waves back and they just kind of share this moment of, yeah, I guess neither of us actually have a chance, uh, you know, when it comes down to it. So whatever the reasons may be as to why they can't have a chance with Finn right now, uh, they are bonding over that. Those uh, poor, poor people. Everybody is is in love with Finn. Maybe one day I'll know, understand damn, why. Like, is, is he really that? Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Will is, in the spirit of making up, going to go over to Sue's office and thank her for sort of being um, a constant voice in his ear like letting him know this is not like this whole hierography business is bullshit. Um, and it helps them to realize along with the fact that, you know, the, the Haven, the Havenbrook kids were, you know, so touching has helped them to realize, Hey, like I don't need all of the gimmicks. I don't need all the full theatricality. I think that I just need to remind my kids exactly what I taught them from the very beginning. Um, and so I'm rearranging the set list and I want to thank you so much for, you know, like calling me out of my BS. And uh, Sue is, you know, you know, she, is happy to hear it, accepts the set list, and he's, she sees that there's a song that got changed that she doesn't recognize, and we're going to find out what that song is later in the episode. But what does Sue do after this kind gesture from Will? Stab him right in the back and go ahead and invite Miss Hitchens and Mr. Rumba over and leak the entire set list to them. And not only is she going to do that, but she's going to ensure that McKinley goes last during sectionals. So it appears as though McKinley were the ones that stole the set list and not the other way around. So completely, uh, completely horrible, horrible, horrible move here from Sue. Uh, completely horrible, completely on brand. Uh, nothing of this can be too surprising or if any surprising at all. So Sue is 
her mission from day one has been to end the Glee Club at all costs. The Cheerios weren't able to, to get her all the way there. She still uses them as much as possible between Santana and Brittany. You know, Brittany was recording them at the beginning of this episode, but at the end of the day, Sue is going to have to do all the work that she can, take it into her own hands, and and she gets them on board here. These two directors do not seem too into this idea. They're both like why would we cheat? Like, like this isn't that serious. Miss Higgins is like, I teach my girls, like remind, remember that these are uh, girls that are in prison. Uh, she teaches them to be honest and not lie and all this kind of stuff. And uh, the guy that has, has the hearing problems, he can't really hear her in the first place, but um, <laughs> they both just seem not very interested in this idea. And Sue is going to give them a little reminder here and say, listen, listen to me closely to what I'm about to say. Never let anything distract you from winning which hey not uh, even breaking the rules seem like not even breaking the rules doesn't that seem like the motto of somebody else in this world uh schuster (laughs) maybe uh where it seems like sue is determined that she needs to win this battle and nothing matters more to her than winning over the glee club or winning to knock down the glee club and just in the same way that nothing matters more to will than winning at sectionals and regionals and nationals and all this stuff so uh, pretty similar similar goals here, even though whatever. No, very you know what true. But also, like Miss Hitchens, like I just don't see what what's in it for her because, like we said before, her girls are good. They can dance and they can sing very well. Like they rivaled. Yeah, like those those girls do not need to sing. Don't stop believing. Exactly. To sound good. Like why would why would they even? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm not even really sure why she would want to do that. The deaf kids. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest, they can't sing. So even if they do have the set list, like, you're not <laughs> going to win anyway. So I just, I mean, I guess I can understand why they would want to have some kind of leg up. But, like, is it really a leg up if you can't even sing the song? Like, if you sang, if they got up there and sang the song, and then the McKinley kids end up doing it better, it doesn't matter who if they sing the same song. Because the McKinley kids, it, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's insane. It's insane. I just feel like they did. It is. I feel like writing-wise, they obviously wanted the kids to be able to progress past sectionals for the, sor- for the sake of the narrative. And in doing so, they made their competition deaf kids and criminals to make it so that they come out on top. <laughs> but then they try to make them cheat. To be- it's just like, it's a lot. It's it's a very messy plot line, but whatever. It's Glee. That, that, so there you have it. We, we're very close to sectionals, and we'll, we'll have a great yes, time we when we get I'm there. I'm excited for it. Um, so we're going to close out the episode with uh, Mr. Shu talking to the kids, saying, you know, like, I, I learned my lesson. You guys were right. We don't need to do all of this this bullshit to, to be impressive. We just need to, to be ourselves. So he stripped it all down, and he added um, True Colors by Cindy Lauper to the set list. And he just has the kids sitting on stools. Um, we got like a lot of knowing looks and n- knowing glances from the students as they're singing. But this is Miss Tina Cohen Chang's first ever solo. So, yes. And she sounds so oh good God. on it. Like Jenna Ushkowitz has such an underutilized voice in all of Glee. So good. So good. I would have 
uh, like it's it's just props to them for not giving this to Rachel. There's no need. Uh, props to them for not giving this to to even Quinn. Like Quinn's had her time this episode. Uh, Tina had not much to do, and this is a song that just fits her perfectly. She sounds so good. Everybody looks good. They're all in like different color shirts. Uh, just I mean, the song is called True Colors, and like Will says, he everybody just grab a stool and get on the stage and you know put your emotions into the song, and they all look and sound amazing, and it just proves that you know. I don't know. I don't know how how well this would hold up if they had did it at sectionals. Probably not terrible. Uh, but like at the end of the day, it's he's he's trying to get across the point that just sing from your heart and you guys will be amazing. And that is what I get from this performance. Yeah, so I definitely good. think that it works as a closing number. You know what I mean? Like I feel like if if they add it to the set list as a closing number, I think it I think it works. You want to cap it off with something nice and poignant and thoughtful. So. I think it's a good cho- choice on uh, Mr. Shoe's part. But um, so speaking of true colors, that was the last musical number, and I guess it's time for me to guess which your favorite was out of all of them. Um, so just as a little recap, we have "Bootylicious" sing by the Jane Adams Academy Glee Club, "Papa Don't Preach" sang by Quinn, "You're the One That I Want" Finn and Rachel, "Hair" slash "Crazy in Love" sang by the New Directions, "Imagine." Sort of saying by the Havenbrook School of the Deaf, Glee Club, and True Colors sang by Tina and the New Directions. And I feel like, hmm, hmm, this is hard. It's between two for me. I feel like there's an obvious answer, (laughs) but I kind of don't want to say it because it might be too obvious. But then if I don't say it and it ends up being the right one, I'm going to be pissed at myself for not going with the obvious answer. Um, oh, but, but if it's not the obvious one, I'm going to go ahead and say that it is uh, uh, Papa Don't Preach! <laughs> oh nope. my god, is it True Colors? <laughs> it is True Colors. How could it not be True Colors? And I'm going to go ahead and guess that yours is also True Colors. It has to be. Uh, it is True Colors. I was going to say it was Bootylicious, but no, it wasn't Bootylicious. True Colors. No, True Colors is so good, and it's it's... Again, I'm not going to say this way too too often. Uh, that's one of my favorites. It is one of my favorites. They're all one of my favorites, but this is one of my favorites. Uh, True Colors is so good. Papa Don't Preach is not one that I held on to very closely uh, over the over the years. Like every time I revisit it, I enjoy it uh, and I love the way that Quinn sounds in it. But uh, at the end of the day, like this was a pretty tough episode for like picking like i think if i had to pick like my second favorite song you would think that it'd be pop it on preach but i still don't i don't hate hair and uh crazy in love as much as you do bootylicious is pretty good uh but whatever uh point is that true colors is very good and both of us we start getting into season two and it becomes a little bit more musical heavy it's gonna be so hard and i cannot wait for it i cannot wait because there's so much good music in season two but all right true colors for the both of us um and your gold star for this week I know where that's going. I knew where it was going pretty early in the episode, and I'm going to give out my second gold star for this season to Quinn Fabray. Um, I I made it, you know, I was telling you earlier about how I feel about the journey she's been going on, and I do sympathize with her that uh, she has a pretty crappy situation at home, and I, I do feel like she's trying her best here to make sure that she's got the right situation set up for when this baby comes and she's still kind of deciding on her own what she wants to do, if she wants to give it to Terry, if she wants to keep it for herself. Uh, Puck's not making it any easier on her after he, you know, turned out to have been sexting Santana the entire time that they were together at that babysitting adventure. So 
at the end of the day, I think Quinn is doing the best she can with the limited resources that she has to help her out. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have her parents to, to turn to for advice. God knows where her sister is. And these guys are really flaking out on her back and left and right. So uh, she's, again, doing the best that she can. And Quinn gets my gold star. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I don't think there really is anybody else that kind of came close this time around. It was a very Quinn-centric episode. And we got to see her grapple with so much um, and do her best to... I mean, she, it's clear that she really, really, really cares about the future of this of this baby, and she just wants to make sure that it has a good life. And yeah, it's not it's very, very hard right now. She's living with she's living with Finn. She is you know trying to deal with the fact that Puck wants to be there, but he's also being a mess. And get, you got Terry and Kendra breathing down her neck. It's just not a good spot, but she's handling it the best that she can for being alone. So. And I love Quinn. This is, this is, in my opinion, this is Quinn's season, uh, like from start to finish. This is, uh, and it's sad because it's like her only season that she is like the star or a star of the show. Even, you know, she's still going to be around for the next two seasons, but it really doesn't feel like we're getting her as, uh, as a big player in those yeah. seasons. So I've, I always look at season one uh, as Quinn's season, and I am glad that we can get her a couple of gold stars along the way. Here, yeah, so. it is. It is a very Quinn centric season. She kind of like takes it back seat in the in the future i just this plan to me i just can't trust it enough i just especially now that everybody knows everybody knows including finn's mother so what's the plan how do you get the baby away from you into terry with no one being like oh that's funny terry had a baby the same day as quinn and quinn's disappeared and terry didn't like i it's just your gold, your, your gold slushy, your slushy rating for the for the rating. <laughs> I think I went first last time. I kind of want you to go first. This um, time. especially since we gave the same one last time, I want to see if we have different takes here. Uh so this, ep- this episode feel like was we fine for me. Um, I did like the whole thing with Kurt and Rachel. That was probably like my favorite part of the episode was hearing somebody stick it to Rachel, but also hearing Rachel stick it to Kurt. Was okay. I'm not, I'm not really wowed by a lot of the numbers here, except for True Colors and maybe Blue Delicious. So I think I'm gonna just go ahead and give it one and a half. It was okay. Um, I take that, and you know, you're right about the fact that like the numbers weren't like wowing, but I don't know. I think I mean the entire time I watched this episode, I was kind of keeping in the back of my head, what am I gonna give it? And I landed on my actually like my best slushy rating so far. All right, like in terms of uh, for the show, I'm gonna give it only point five, only a half mm. slushy. Um, I really like this episode. I uh, the the storylines I felt were moving pretty quickly, and at least. Uh, like the songs aren't aren't bad, even if they're not like the best that Glee's ever done. I think that they all sound pretty good. I love Imagine. I love True Colors. Papa Don't Preach is fun. Um, and I am just such a big Quinn Fabray fan. So having any kind of Quinn centric episode is going to be good in my books. So I am only going to give this slushy, uh, this uh, this episode a half slushy. And that is, like I said, my lowest so far. So, yeah. All right. So 0.5 and 1.5. All right, well, that concludes our coverage of Hierography. Uh, I think I want to go and practice some of my own once we're done recording. You can follow us on... Wait, I always forget the at. <laughs> it's not that hard. Why Room Pod <laughs> on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Room Pod. Pod. If there's anything that you would like us to talk about more in depth, or if you have any uh, you know, ideas for the show that you feel like sharing, you go ahead and uh, shoot us an email at choirroompodcasts 
at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, um, you can also follow us individually. But I, I have a feeling that most of you are already doing that anyway. So yeah, thank you guys so much. And you know, one thing that we don't talk about, sorry, one thing we don't talk about that we probably should more often, but hey, if you got 11 episodes into this, uh, go to that iTunes feed and leave a little rating. Oh, yes, and review. yes. And I don't know how how that really works because I've never had my own podcast feed set up before. Uh, maybe Amon does and he can help us through this, but that would be awesome. If you got through 11 episodes here and maybe we'll try to remind everybody more often, drop a little rating and review. And I mean, we're doing this for, for ourselves and for anybody that has followed us for a while and knows how much we love the show but um, maybe other people out there will search for a Glee podcast some, one of these days and they'll stumble upon us as well so uh, I'm sure that that will help us out if you can do that no, yeah so definitely I mean everybody's in quarantine right now people are looking for things to, to occupy their time and if anybody a lot of people I've seen are re-watching Glee as we speak so if you leave ratings and reviews it really does push us up in the algorithm on iTunes so more people that do enjoy Glee We'll come across it if they're looking for something to, you know, some side content to consume as they rewatch the show. So at the end of the day, this is more of a rewatch podcast and it is a recap podcast. So if there's anybody else that you know that's, you know, out there recapping and you and you are rewatching and you enjoy us, make sure that you share us and uh, leave us a little rating. It really helps out. So. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And slide into our DMs. Tell us that you left a rating and we'll tell yeah, you even how the much haters come you. for us. Yes. All right. That's really anything it. else that you <laughs> that you want to talk about? Or are you good? Uh, the next episode. Can we just do that right now? No, I know. I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I we're so close. We're so close. So close to, 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 to mattress and to sectionals and to everything beyond. I just can't wait. I cannot wait for season two. I cannot wait. For season two. I, I love season one, but it's not my favorite. But anyway, we shall see you guys soon. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you at sectionals.